Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Current Yield, a Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. I am Jim Grant, back in the new year. It's New Year, right? That's right. And uh, with me, as always, is Eric Whitehead, our sound engineer. That's an upgrade in title and rank for you, Eric. Used to be a the guy at the controls. Now, I think for the new year, Eric will be the sound engineer. I think that's good. We need to confer yeah. some new titles around here. I think the. Uh, had a slightly reduced rate of pay because the title really is its own compensation. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Evan Lorenz, the, uh, the great deputy editor of grants, and Phil Grant, who uh, is in charge of and indeed produces almost daily grants, which comes to you not quite five times a week on average, hence the almost. That's right. Yeah, you got to leave yourself a little room. Right. You don't feel like writing it every day, right? Uh, <laughs> I, no, I do. I do. I do. Every single day, I do feel like it. But, yeah, uh, you know, sometimes things get in the way. Well, I'm, I'm, fellas, are you as concerned and as really as upset as I am about the uh, Meghan and Harry withdrawal from the royal family? Yeah, it breaks I, my I, heart. I was... Tossing and turning last night about that. I mean, come on, <laughs> they want to be financially independent. Is that such a great thing? I mean, let's let's say you got three million dollars every time you raise your hand for the British taxpayers. Is financial independence a step up or a step down? I ask you. I'm not going to answer that, but I'll say I'm pretty good at raising my hand if they ever need anybody. Yeah, right. I could, <laughs> I could fill that role. As, as yeah. Well, I'll t- I'll, uh, Eric, you can do the Megan thing, and uh, fellas, you can uh, decide who gets Harry. I don't know. It's undignified, but it could be lucrative, right? All right. So it's not just the uh, four of us, ladies and gentlemen, today bantering. We have something substantive. We have something substantive in the way of a monetary topic and of a monetary guest. Our guest is Ronald Peter Stofferle, who is one of four managing partners of Incretum, which is an asset management firm in Liechtenstein. Now, Incretum is German for incredible, meaning fabulous or uh, uh, too good to believe, I guess. Is, the, is that right? Ronnie is, is in, yes. in, in... Yeah. It's incrementum. It's like incremental growth. Oh, I see. Okay. So, but Ronnie is, uh, as I say, one of four managing partners of this firm, which is, uh, he lives in Vienna and commutes to the Principality of Liechtenstein, where he and his partners conduct business. Uh, from the point of view, correct me if I'm wrong, Ronnie, I, I would say that you conduct business with an eye to, uh, to Vienna and to Austria, and particularly to the intellectual legacy of what is known as the Austria School of Economics. Is that uh, not correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the idea of um, uh, incrementum, the guiding principles have to do with uh, independence and self-reliance. Those are the cornerstones of the firm, which are pretty solid cornerstones on which to build. But we are not here to talk so much about uh, abstract philosophy, as laudable as that might be, as the monetary asset we know is gold. And Ronnie is one of the, uh, uh, the movers and the producers of an annual periodical that is the uh, talk of the gold world and the uh, annual reference asset of the gold world. It's called In Gold We Trust. It's going to appear in May. And I don't know, it runs like 75 pages, Ronnie. That's it, uh, 100 pages. I mean, it's a, it's a, a uh, actually, uh, uh, last edition was uh, 340 pages. Oh. So it's, it's quite a brick. And there's, there's still there's a compact version but the compact version is also 100 pages. So uh, for some reason, I just, uh, yeah, there's so many topics to discuss when it comes to gold yeah. that every year we're writing more and more. Right. And, and, and I should mention, uh, I should, uh, here I'm bearing a lead, as we say in journalism. Uh, Ronnie is also the father of three daughters, ages uh, seven, five, and three. And he observes that uh, 
uh, volatility in financial markets is nothing compared to the mood swings of girls <clears throat> under the age of eight, which I is just writing. <laughs> Ronnie, I, what are the, uh, the premises of what you do, the, your work in gold, is that the, there is uh, a decay, an erosion of trust in the institutions of monetary control, and hence uh, a, a growing opportunity for investors in gold and for the producers of gold. Now, could you elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the, the, the leitmotif of last year's in Gold with Trust report was this erosion of trust that we're seeing, um, not only in politics, where basically populists are winning uh, elections all over the globe, but we're also seeing it in media, in traditional media. We're seeing it in society. We're seeing it in science. You wouldn't believe how many people nowadays actually really believe in the flat earth theory. So Wait a second, wait a second. Trust... there's something wrong with that? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this loss of trust is, is, is something that we can observe in, in, in many, many different areas. Um, when it comes to central banking, I love the term, I think it was coined by Judy Shelton. She's speaking because she was asked if, if she's a gold bug. And she said, yeah, perhaps, but then you are a Fed bug. So I, I think the, the trust in, in central banking is still very, very high. And, and, the, and the fact that uh, it seems that financial markets nowadays are only concerned by, uh, about the comments from the Federal Reserve yes. and the ECB. And, you know, um, there's a, a legion of people basically basically trying to, 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 to interpret um, the next steps of the central bankers and, and, and which kind of uh, monetary interventionism will be next. I think this already shows you that the, the whole system, the whole monetary system is deeply flawed and in, 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 in a big crisis. But I would, so, what, Ron, I, Ron, let me ask you this, though. As far as trust is concerned, it seems to me that the evidence of Evan, was it, is 11 trillion or so still the number of zero? Uh, last next? I checked, but I haven't checked for a few days. Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's a, let's, let's call it 11 trillion securities worldwide. Debt securities are priced to yield in nominal terms less than zero. So you pay them for the privilege of, uh, of sending them your money if you're a creditor. And that, to me, Ronnie, speaks to an almost unimaginable level of trust, or at least of credulity, in the institution of paper currencies. And I, I would submit as another point of evidence um, uh, a debt obligation that uh, the government of Austria issued, I guess in 2017, the 2017 issued, yes, uh, Republic of, uh, of Austria, 2.1% of nine, September 20th, 2117. So it's a 100 year security. It came at a yield of, uh, I guess, close to par, a yield of 2.1%. And uh, today it yields, uh, you know, slightly over 1%. And the dollar price or the euro price of these bonds is 161.5. That's down from, uh, I don't know, 200, 200 and, uh, I don't know, 210, I guess, was the peak in the summer of 2008. But what, what, an extraordinary expression of trust. If you look back 100 years at the monetary history of Austria and of uh, the travails of its creditors since the downfall of what uh, Emperor Franz Joseph, I guess, or the First World War, 
It yes. wasn't exactly a smooth ride, was it, Bonnie? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jim, I'm, I mean, um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, I, I, I don't think, I, I would bet quite a lot of money that in 100 years from now, um, the euro won't be around. Um, and, and I would say that, that this investment uh, in, a, in a century bond uh, uh, won't pay off so well. And, but, but on the other hand, if I was a politician, which I was probably never going to be, um, I would do exactly the same. I, I'd increase my, um, uh, my, my, the, the, the maturity of, of, of my bonds outstanding. So um, the, the question is, you were referring to these uh, 11 trillion, so 11,000 billion um, in negative yielding debt. I think the big question is, what might be the pain trade for those bonds? And of course, the pain trade for those bonds is rising inflation. Now, nobody really um, sees a potential return of inflation. Um, and it's also the belief that, that the negative correlation between bonds and stocks will continue forever. But from my point of view, and this is based on, on the views of the Austrian School of Economics, we already have seen massive inflation. We have seen um, monetary inflation. We have seen the second stage, which is asset price inflation. You know, just have a look at real estate prices all over the globe, equity markets, of course, bond markets, the art market. And now the third stage would be price inflation, which uh, our friends, the central banker, um, measure with those kind of um, sophisticated and interesting uh, baskets. So, so, now, so, Ronnie, a question for you. So you run Incrementum AG. You also produce the In Gold We yes. Trust report, but you also advise clients and help them invest their money. And while many of your strategies are gold-focused, they're not all gold-focused. So if you doubt the current kind of central bank-driven markets, how do you invest your money to survive through this and prosper? Well, uh, first of all, we, we care quite a lot about um, uh, about counterparty risk. So, so this is something that, that that is really important for us. Then, of course, the the, the, the fact that we are based in Liechtenstein, uh, which is a very very small country, and 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 if you listen to YouTube videos or if you read the the, the book by um, uh, Hans Adam, uh, uh, who's ruling Liechtenstein. Um, he, he, he's very much of a libertarian. He knows the Austrian School of Economics. He even calls um, the citizens of Liechtenstein his clients. So, so that was a, a very active decision to, 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 to settle our business in Liechtenstein. And then I think when it comes to um, scenarios going forward for us, rising inflation is definitely something that we're very concerned of. Now, many people ask, yeah, you know, inflation, everybody said that already a couple of years ago. Now, where might inflation come from? From my point of view, um, the US, U.S. dollar has been the linchpin of the whole deflationary mindset. And, 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 and this means that uh, we have seen an environment of capped commodity prices, uh, little growth in emerging markets and capital flows to the United States. If you follow the charts of commodities, emerging markets, and especially the U.S. dollar, 
I think that this is now changing. So from my point of view, uh, inflation might become a concern going forward. And, you know, the big question is where will all this capital, those 11 trillion, um, flow to when inflation becomes a concern? Will it go into equities? Yeah, perhaps. Uh, but I think that it will go uh, into the gold market as well. So, so I think rising inflation is something that uh, Wall Street definitely doesn't see. And let's face it, this is exactly what central bankers and politicians want to achieve, and they're very open about it. Yeah. Jay Powell said, when a central bank undershoots its inflation target, it can promise the public that it will overshoot in the future. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, a word from our sponsor, which happens to be Grant's Interest Rate Observer. It has come to our attention that uh, not every listener to the Grant's podcast is a subscriber to Grant's, which is, I, don't know, I, I, I think it's an opportunity for, for both of us. And I, I, I um, how to promote Grant's uh, if you're the owner of Grant's. Oh, yes, I can quote uh, a testimonial from two of our friends. And here it goes, quote, Page for page, pound for pound, Grant's Interest Rate Observer is the finest financial periodical in print. Period, close quote, Stanley Druckenmiller. Yeah, Stan Druckenmiller said that. Number two, quote, page for page, pound for pound, Grant's Interest Rate Observer is the second finest financial periodical in print. Period, close quote, Steve Forbes. Well, yes, Steve has another publication in mind, but number two is pretty good when Steve says it. So Grants said, ah, we, we say, uh, forewarned is better. That's one of our slogans. And here we are in the 10th plus year of a debt-laden financial expansion, business expansion, and uh, all sorts of excesses and interesting anomalies cropping up. And uh, it's your time to subscribe. And to do that, it's as easy as can be. What you do is go www.grantspob.com slash pod, P-O-D, 2020, www.grantspub, that's P-U-B as in uh, like a saloon, grantspub.com slash pod 2020. And the reason that is a useful thing to know is that if you subscribe now, I will send you, yeah, a personally autographed copy of the 2000, 2017 or 16 Hayek Prize winning book that I happened to write. It's called uh, The Forgotten Depression. It's about the business cycle downturn of 1920-21, a very engaging history, if I do say so, of that event. The last governmentally unmedicated business cycle downturn in modern American history. Very timely because it's the 100th anniversary this year of the start of it. So you get that autographed book. And most importantly, you get a subscription to grants. What's the price, Eric? It's like nothing, right? It's like $1,200? And of course, that comes complete with access to our seven years of archive material. So you get your own, like an MBA waiting to be administered, self-administered, or what's better than MBA? I don't know, CFA, or it's uh, being an informed and historically aware investor. That's what you get. So please do visit us at uh, www.grantspub.com slash pod2020. Uh, to avail yourselves of this fabulous New Year's offer for the finest financial publication, page for page, pound for pound, in print. Brian, for me, um, you know, the gold market has had, uh, until yesterday, has had a, a, what, nine or 10 days uh, continue, you know, of uh, 
of steady uh, price appreciation or dollar depreciation seen in that light. Mm -hmm. What has been behind the recent strength of the gold market? The market is not, of course, going to explain itself, but is it geopolitics? Is it another reason or reasons? Yeah, I, I think that um, actually political crises are, only have a very short-lived impact on gold. I think much more important is, is, is of course, the direction of real rates and, and central bank policy. So, as you know, uh, I've read it on Twitter and I love it, um, somebody wrote, the job of central bankers is printing money and business has been quite good recently. So, if we have a look at the, uh, at the chart of the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, between the 4th of September 2019 and January 1st, 2020, the Fed has printed 413 billion just to appease Wall Street and, and, and financial markets. So just to give you a perspective, um, this is 50% more aggressive than QE3. So we can see that there's enormous um, decline of marginal utility of this central bank interventionism. So at the moment, the Fed is already monetizing 25% of, of U.S. federal deficits. I just wonder what's going to happen if we see at some point uh, a recession coming up. But we should not forget that gold is in a bull market in many, many currencies already for a while. In fact, gold just hit new all-time highs. In euro terms, uh, we're close to all-time highs in Australian dollar terms and in Canadian dollar terms. But last year, gold broke out in dollar terms too, and, and this was basically um, the starting point for this new leg of, of, of the bull market. Uh, so, Ronnie, uh, um, you know, there's a question, of course, with regard to gold. If you accept the premise, uh, some of our listeners do, some don't, but if you accept the, uh, the desirability of gold in a portfolio, you must choose between the metal itself and the miners that produce it. As to the miners, they have left a trail of financial desolation for years. They are the worst. The, they are the pits. That's a pun. Right? Count it. Yep. Yeah. Good. Um, as far as capital allocation, as far as attention to the needs of the stockholders, as opposed to the interests of the managers. How do you rationalize an investment in these assassins of uh, their investors' capital? Well, they are actually giving us a, a really hard time, and, 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 and I just crunched the numbers. Uh, uh, and actually, uh, you know, um, uh, if, you, if you invested in the Philadelphia Stock Exchange Gold and Silver Index, the, the XAU, um, uh, it started in 1984, and, and actually um, the annualist return was 2%. Um, Is that positive 2%? I'm, I'm stunned. Positive 2%. Well, yeah. that's not yeah. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been worse, yeah. I, I certainly would have expected worse. So actually, I think that mining, mining equities are probably the most top-down asset class that you know. So I think that stock picking in mining stocks isn't really the way to, to play the market. I think you just have to... Um, to, to come to a conclusion if you are in a bull market uh, or in a bear market. Because if, you, if you're down only 70% with your great stock pick in a bear market, 
doesn't really help and doesn't make uh, the conversation with your clients probably better. But I think, um, to, to quote my, my fellow countryman Arnold Schwarzenegger, he once <laughs> said, strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strength. So I'm not sure if Arnold knows Schumpeter, but we know that Schumpeter was talking about creative destruction. And we have seen this creative destruction happening in the gold mining area. So we should not forget... Uh, uh, Ronnie, just to be clear, we're we're very clear on what the destruction is. What is the creative part? (laughs) The creative part, actually, that's, that's a very good question. And this is something that most investors probably don't see happening. Some companies in the, in the mining space, and not only in the gold mining space, really use much, much more technology. So there's augmented reality, there's virtual reality, there's big data. So actually exploration programs, but also mining itself with uh, robots and, 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 and robots and so on, has become more efficient. It has become cleaner, of course. So, so actually... I think that many people underestimate the the the, the, um, the virtues of of, of uh, the implementation of technology to the sector, and 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 when it comes to numbers, I I think that um, we are seeing more and more cost transparency. So the costs were coming down in the mining space. We have seen that many companies wrote off or sold high-priced uh, projects. We're seeing that the operating leverage in the sector fell from 1.6 to 1.1. We are seeing many takeovers that are no longer paid in cash or debt, but mostly in, in, in own shares. So I think that there, there has been quite a lot of positive things happening. Uh, we are at the moment seeing that the Barron's Gold Mining Index, which is around for, for 80 years, I think, or more than 80 years, is trading relative to gold at the lowest level in almost 70 years. So it is a sector that is dirt cheap, but I have to say I've got no doubt that when gold is trading at 1900 or even higher, many companies will probably make the very same mistakes like in the last bull market. Well, should we sell, I guess we'll sell at the top. That will take care of that problem. Speaking of the top, <laughs> yeah. tell us the the roadmap you have in mind for uh, the price of gold and the resolution of our monetary difficulties. How is the f- future going to play out? Um, well, <laughs> that's, that's the big question. I, I think that uh, gold actually is, is really, will, will, will really um, stabilize your portfolio in the process of a reallocation of our monetary system to, to use very diplomatic wording. From my point of view, you know, gold is a very, very asymmetrical investment at the moment. I really see that if there should be a revaluation or a recalibration of the monetary system, gold could go up a couple of thousand bucks, actually. And and, and, and people always tell me, yeah, you're kind of a perma bull uh, uh, when it comes to Nothing gold. wrong with that, Ryan. Yeah, from my point of view, you know, uh, it is not an alternative to equities, for example. I, I, I think this, this would be similar to comparing, you know, uh, the U.S., uh, uh, let's say, hockey team to the Austrian ski team. It, it doesn't make any sense to compare equities to gold. Gold is a currency, 
Gold is a currency that is around for 5,000 years. And the moment that I will become really bearish on gold will be the moment when real rates hit 3, 4, 5% again. Then it will probably be time to say goodbye to gold. But I just don't see it. It's, it's probably Saudi Arabia would introduce gay marriage first, then real rates to go significantly higher. Um, so... Therefore, I, I, I think going forward, uh, 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 it is a pretty good setup. We should not forget that at the moment, um, uh, I think there is physical demand, especially uh, in, in emerging markets. Now, 70% of all physical demand is coming from, um, from uh, emerging markets, especially Asia. But we don't see that institutional investors are invested in gold. At the moment, the gold ETF holdings as a percentage of U.S. total equity markets is 0.3%. So if there's only a small shift into the gold market, I think this will have um, pretty, good, uh, pretty nice consequences. Ronnie, there is a, a generational divide, too, with respect to gold. I think younger people, many of them share uh, your suspicions, my suspicions about the monetary system, but they're means of expressing, uh, expressing that doubt in, in investment terms is to uh, you know, buy some uh, cryptocurrency ETF. What is your view on Bitcoin? Well, actually, we don't only publish the In Gold We Trust report, but also the crypto research report. So, so, so I bought Bitcoin very, very early. Of course, my wife always asked me, why didn't you buy more of that when, it, when you bought it? Isn't that the way? Isn't that the way? Evan, have you ever had that question posed to you by a certain someone at home? Only about three times a week. Hmm. <laughs> so, so from my point of view, um, if you read the white paper of Satoshi Nakamoto, I think that Bitcoin was designed to be um, digital gold. And the biggest, the, the, the biggest um, uh, characteristic of that is the stock-to-flow ratio. Now, this is something that many people... Um, don't really understand or don't follow in the gold space, but also in the crypto space. But the fact that there is 190,000 tons of gold around and that the annual production is 3,300 tons, um, so we're coming to a natural inflation in gold at 1.6%. Um, when it comes, which is um, um, basically the, the, the same um, growth like population growth, which is pretty interesting, I think. Um, and when it comes to Bitcoin, there is this natural built decreasing inflation. So, so actually, at some point... Uh, but but Ronnie, uh, to, to get to Bitcoin yes. for a second. So Satoshi Nakamoto wrote his white paper in 2008 in the midst of the financial crisis as the Fed was monetizing assets and central banks were yes. looking to basically buy everything to disrupt the system. And I think... It grew out of a lot of the same thing that a lot of Austrian or a lot of gold bugs kind of view of the world. But in the ensuing decade, they've created what looks like a central bank within cryptocurrency, Tether, something that says it's collateralized by dollars, but it's turned out that that's not entirely true. And every time Tether prints new money, which may or may not be collateralized, it seems to boost the entire crypto asset prices. To what extent has crypto kind of recreated its own Federal Reserve or ECB? And is it still a safe asset? Um... Is it a safe asset? Good question. Uh, will it be around in, in, in 10 years? I'm not sure, but if it will be around, I, I think it will be trading significantly higher. W will gold be around in 10 years? Of 
course. But I think that when it comes to Tether, for example, um, and, and all the sorry um, shit coins that were, were that were uh, introduced in the last couple of years, uh, I think yeah, that's just a normal process within a bull market. We're seeing that in in, in every market that uh, uh, if the market gets hotter and hotter. Um, there's basically um, uh, fraudsters and, and, and crooks coming into the market, and the bear markets weed out those those crooks. When it comes to Tether, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure if, if I would say that this is basically a central banking system within the cryptocurrency market. Um, I think that's, that's an interesting thought, but, but nobody um, has ever kind of hacked the original Bitcoin. There are forks, for example, which is some sort of inflation, of course. But Bitcoin itself, I think the, 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 the creators of Bitcoin, whoever they were, I think they really understood gold. They understood the flaws of our monetary system. And they understood the Austrian School of Economics. And one thing that might be a bit philosophical, but when it comes to, 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 to gold, uh, when I go to conferences and do keynotes, well, most people, I would say, are male and, 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 and rather old. Um, nothing, nothing wrong with that, is there, fellas? I, I... Experienced. <laughs> Wise. <laughs> Experienced, yeah. yeah. Um, well, when it comes to cryptos, it's, it's really young people with big yeah, visions yeah, and, 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 and entrepreneurs. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's beautiful that oh. those young people are discussing what is money, where does money come from, how is money created, and because this is actually something that, that nobody teaches you on university. Right, well, certainly Harry, or, or, Harry and Meghan have no clue where money comes from. They think it's from the, like the money tree, which is, you know, gets me back to my original irritation. Hey, Ronnie, in closing, I'm going to uh, try to renew a question that Evan posed to you. So you are sitting uh, with your three partners around a table talking to your clients at, uh, at your firm, Incrementum. And uh, a client says, uh, well, uh, I understand the gold story. I thank you. But I understand your view on inflation. I thank you for that as well. Now, how do we implement these ideas in the marketplace? How do we invest uh, away from the gold market? What ideas can you offer our listeners and your clients as to actually implementing your thoughts on the future? Well, we're, we're running six investment funds and also doing private wealth management. And, and I think that in, in all of those uh, uh, strategies, I, I, I think that um, cash management is extremely important. So for us, uh, cash provides an enormous amount of, of optionality, then we're, we're really concerned about counterparty risk, as I said before, and uh, we're very much into, let's say, real assets. So the, the stocks that we buy are not like the typical FANG stocks, what have been the Nifty 50 um, back in the days. So it's really high-quality stocks with um, solid dividend uh, policies, with Low debt structures on the on the bond side, we're very very agnostic and and, and a very uh, I would say extremely underweighted compared to most competitors. And when it comes to gold, we like physical gold. We're not big fans of ETFs, for example, because when actually the uh, you know what hits the fan, I think that counterparty risk will become really one of the main concerns again. So. Um, our view is, is heavily influenced by the Austrian School of Economics. But of course, 
being Austrian doesn't necessarily make you a good investor. But I think this, this knowledge about the monetary system is really something that differentiates followers of the Austrian School of Economics to 99% of the rest of investors. And I think at some point, as I've said, there will be some sort of a currency crisis. There will be a reallocation uh, of our monetary system. Like we've seen it uh, over the last couple of centuries, every, every few decades. So if you talk to my grandparents, for example, they lived through um, three currency reforms and holding paper assets they always lost. So this is probably the reason why they always gave me little gold coins for Christmas and 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 for um, for birthdays. Yeah, those are the kind. Those are the so, kind of grandparents to have. So, Ronnie, thank you for being <laughs> with us today, uh, Ronald Peter Stofferle, at uh, managing partner of Incrementum in uh, Liechtenstein, who is a commuter. Is Ronnie from uh, Vienna? Did you have a nice New Year, Ronnie? Was that, I know New Year's is a very big thing in Vienna, concerts. Uh, uh, you know, Johann Strauss, you're probably still humming Blue Danube. But whatever the quality of the celebration, I wish you the happiest of 2020s. And uh, we'll talk again, perhaps when the next edition of In Gold We Trust comes out in May, which, by the way, is available for the asking on the World Wide Web. So on behalf of our listeners, thank you. Thank you very much, Jim. It's been a great pleasure. It has been a delight. So Eric, and uh, thank you, and uh, Evan and Phil. And uh, happy 2020, fellas. Thanks so much, Ronnie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Happy Thank New you. Year. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Current Yield, Grant's interest rate observer of the air.